I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Ezekiel chapters 35 through 37. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In Ezekiel chapter 35, Edom gets another prophecy against them. Verse 1, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. And say to it, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you and make you most desolate. I shall lay your cities waste, and you shall be desolate. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Because you have had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, when their iniquity came to an end. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you. Since you have not hated blood, therefore blood shall pursue you. Thus I will make Mount Seir most desolate, and cut off from it the one who leaves and the one who returns. And I will fill its mountains with the slain, on your hills and in your valleys. And in all your ravines those who are slain by the sword shall fall. I will make you perpetually desolate, and your city shall be uninhabited. Then you shall know that I am the Lord." Because you have said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess them, although the Lord was there. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will do according to your anger and according to the envy which you showed in your hatred against them. And I will make myself known among them when I judge you. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard all your blasphemies which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, They are desolate, they are given to us to consume. Thus with your mouth you have boasted against me and multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. Thus says the Lord God, The whole earth will rejoice when I make you desolate. As you rejoiced because the inheritance of the house of Israel was desolate, so I will do to you. You shall be desolate, O Mount Seir, as well as all of Edom, all of it. Then they shall know that I am the Lord." Well, here's another prophecy against Edom. Mount Seir is located in Edom. They already received mention in Ezekiel's prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 25, verses 12 through 14. But here's a whole chapter devoted to their destruction. Edom had a long, colorful history with Israel, going all the way back to Jacob and Esau. Edom was Esau's nickname. And the very way he came by this nickname was a sore subject that's found in Genesis chapter 25. Remember when Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup? Well, here's what Genesis 25 verse 30 says. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Edom, by the way, is the Hebrew word for red. The very name of these people continually resurrected bad memories and they lived up to those bad memories with their constant harassment of Israel over the centuries. Edom had sought to block Israel's first entrance into the Promised Land. That's recorded in Numbers chapter 20 and Numbers chapter 24. 
Now, there are other conflicts with the Edomites, Saul in 1 Samuel 14, Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 11, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoram in 2 Kings 8, and Ahaz in 2 Chronicles 28. And then other prophets also prophesied against Edom. Isaiah in Isaiah 11, Jeremiah 49, Daniel 11, Amos 2, the whole book of Obadiah, and Malachi chapter 1. Therefore, it would seem that Ezekiel uses Edom as the epitome of nations that sought to overrun and acquire Israel's land for themselves. Ezekiel is clear on the reason for Edom's demise in verses 5 and 6. Here's what it says. Because you have had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, when their iniquity came to an end, therefore, as I live, says the Lord, I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you, since you have not hated blood, therefore blood shall pursue you. That kind of reminds me of God's words to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. That is when God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. It's clear from this passage that we're reading today that Edom will not prosper. Incidentally, this land coincides with the nation of Jordan today. There's a rather interesting prophetic theory that centers around this region during the tribulation period. If you're interested in that, look at my notes on Micah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. The last great eradication of the enemies of God before the millennium will take place at the Battle of Armageddon in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. Why did Israel fall? Well, your answer is found in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 1 through 21. Verse 1. And you, son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said of you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations, and you are taken up by the lips of talkers and slandered by the people. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, the desolate waste, and the cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of the nations all around. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I have spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, who gave my land to themselves as a possession, with wholehearted joy and spiteful minds in order to plunder its open country. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, and say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, and the valleys, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and my fury, because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come." For indeed I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the city shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times, and do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the Lord." 
Yes, I will cause men to walk on you, my people Israel. They shall take possession of you, and you shall be their inheritance. No more shall you bereave them of children. Thus says the Lord God, because they say to you, You devour men and bereave your nation of children, therefore you shall devour men no more, nor bereave your nation any more, says the Lord God. Nor will I let you hear the taunts of the nations any more, nor bear the reproach of the peoples any more, nor shall you cause your nation to stumble any more, says the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore I poured out my fury on them for the blood they have shed on the land, and for their idols with which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds." When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Well, these verses actually turn on the heathen nations that have had a part in Israel's demise. Edom, also known as Edomia, they get special mention among these heathen nations in verse 5. Now that word has gotten to the exiles that Jerusalem has fallen to the Babylonians, we see that in Ezekiel 33:21. they are all ears about when this exile is going to come to an end. Ezekiel gets right to the point in verse 8. He says, But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. Finally, prosperity at last. And the return to the homeland, Israel, is seen in verse 10. It says, I will multiply upon you all the house of Israel, all of it, and the city shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. We see the details of the promise of that restoration in verses 10 through 15. It's important to note that restoration to the land is prophesied by both Jeremiah and Ezekiel in a couple different contexts. As we stated many times, the exiles actually went back to their homeland under Persian rule in 535 B.C. However, at that time, they were not an independent nation. In addition, the times-couldn't-be-better scenario of life back in the land found in this chapter, well, they never really existed even to this day. The prophecy of a complete restoration and eternal prosperity won't really be manifested until the yet future millennium. So, in the numerous restoration prophecies found in the Old Testament... Sometimes the prophets are talking about the simple return to their homeland in 535 B.C., and sometimes the prophets are talking about the eternal prosperity of Israel in the homeland during the yet future millennium. It's not all positive here, though, in verses 16 through 21. Ezekiel carefully points out that even in exile, the Jews continue to disgrace the name of the Lord. Now, let's talk about restoration in Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 38. Verse 22, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. 
For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell on the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it, and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields, so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good." And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them." I will increase their men like a flock, like a flock offered as holy sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem on its feast days, so shall the ruined cities be filled with the flocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, why restore Israel? Verses 22 and 23 make it plain that restoration is necessary for God's sake, not for Israel's sake. Here's a restoration of Israel and Verses 25 through 28 tell us that this is more than just the return in 535 B.C. under the Persians. Now, this refers to a national heart cleansing, and times in Israel couldn't be better at this point. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah referred to this in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. He called it the New Covenant. The realization of the New Covenant is yet future. It's during the millennium. Notice particularly verse 35, it says, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. When Jews began to return to Israel in the early part of the 20th century, Israel was a wasteland. Today, vegetation is being grown where none existed for hundreds of years. It's difficult to view the environment that now exists in Israel and make a case that it is anything other than the beginning of this prophesied restoration. That brings us to Ezekiel 37. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. You'll see what I mean in just a moment. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know... Again he prophesied to me, prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. 
then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Again the word of the Lord came to me, saying, As for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and write on it, for Judah and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write on it, for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them one to another for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not show us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. And the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes. Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land." And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned, and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people, and I will be their God." David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever." Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Now you old-timers will recognize the title of this section as the first line of an old Negro spiritual. Remember, the arm bone is connected to the shoulder bone, and so on. This is actually one of the most fascinating chapters in all the prophetic books. 
It outlines the reconstituting of Israel out of nothing. According to the passage, the bones of the whole house of Israel dispersed. They come together even though they are very dry. Here's what's exciting about this. The first part of this prophecy happened actually on May 14, 1948. That's when Israel actually became an independent nation after over 2,500 years. Jews migrated from all over the world back to their homeland in the years preceding that date and afterward. Technically speaking, I'm comfortable with the notion that the shaking of the bones in verse 7 in this prophecy is a reference to World Wars 1 and 2. Those wars changed the world's attitude toward the Jews and, well, it made it possible for Israel to become a nation in their original homeland. However, this prophecy is not completely fulfilled until the new covenant is established in the nation per the specifications of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. Now, that new covenant consists of every inhabitant of Israel knowing and loving God personally in their own individual hearts. However, viewing the first step of this process in our lifetime, well, that's just way exciting. Notice verses 22 and 23. They tell us that Israel will be a false worship-free zone at that time. But that's not all. We see in verses 24 through 28 the words forever and evermore used five times in talking about their new relationship with God. Now, this is the millennium when the new covenant will be completely fulfilled and the Messiah will rule. You'll notice the reference to David in verse 24 when it says, David, my servant, shall be king over them. Now, that didn't happen in 535 B.C., but it will in the yet future millennium. As a matter of fact, the mention of David here is an interesting reference. If you'd like more details regarding David's role in the millennium, then look at the information box that I've provided in the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today entitled King David's Role in the Millennium, or you can look for it under the topic section of BibleTrack.org. Perhaps it should be mentioned that the Mormon church actually distorts a portion of this prophecy from chapter 37 for their own purposes. Look at verses 16 and 17 again. Verse 16, As for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and write on it, for Judah and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write on it, for Joseph the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions. Then join them one to another for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. The Mormons view the stick of Judah to be the Bible, and the stick of Joseph, Joseph Smith, to be the Book of Mormon. And they happen to be the only church to unite them into one faith. That's a scary way to read the Old Testament, by the way. Actually, these sticks are representative of the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel, which had split after the reign of Solomon. That's recorded in 1 Kings chapter 12. In the millennium, all of Israel will once again be united. Some people really, really mistreat the Bible. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.